College basketball is just around the corner. Who are some of the top player of the year candidates, NCAA Final Four candidates, and we're going to rank the Power Five conferences, as well as go over the new almanac, the College Basketball Almanac, the all-in guide on college basketball. Coming up next on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up? My name is Richard Salmon. You might know me better as at Draft on Twitter. Got a really good episode for you today featuring uh, Leaf Tuline. I got the two best college basketball minds I know, Leaf Tuline and then also Sean Paul. Both of them are absolutely brilliant. I'll let them introduce themselves in just a minute. But thank you, everybody, uh, for making Locked On NBA Big Board the first listen of your day. I know it's not the peak of season or anything, but uh, preseason starting, but we're co- talking college basketball today. But Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. So, as I said, I've got Leaf Tween on here, who you know as the grinder. He's always watching college basketball. And then we brought somebody else who is right there with him, and Sean Paul. He's somebody who I've been, who I've known since like the pandemic started on Twitter. Um, he has absolutely grinded his way up. He's done incredible work. He helps with the Almanac, uh, college basketball's Almanac. And Sean, if you want to just talk a little bit about the Almanac, some of the work you put in, uh, everything, anything you want to plug, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I'll let you save even more. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't checked out the Almanac already, the presented by the Field of 68 and then contributions from Heat Check, CBB and the Three Man Weave guys all kind of joined together to make this happen. It's 1300 words on every single team in college basketball in depth rosters talking about pretty much every single player on every roster, everything you can imagine. Co- coaches quotes and uh, lineup projections, how we think conferences will finish. I handled the OVC. So I discussed, you know, SIU Edwardsville, UT Martin, who I think is going to be really good this season, the same as SIUE. I have Rayshon Taylor from SIU Edwardsville as a conference player of the year in the Ohio Valley. So he's a player to watch for sure. If you're a mid-major fan or just a college basketball fan in general, definitely keep an eye on him. And then guys like Parker Stewart and KJ Simon from UT Martin. They're going to be a really good duo for the Skyhawks over there this season. So I would definitely check that out. I mean, if you love college basketball, it's 1999, and it tells you literally everything you need to know about the season. It'll get you really prepared. Yeah, Leaf and I were talking about it because we both got it, and like we were talking about how we could just turn on the most obscure of obscure games, and we feel like we would have so much inside knowledge. Like I posted on this now Wednesday. Uh, it's coming out Friday, but – I posted on Wednesday about Aaron Reddish on <laughs> Albany, who I, I had no idea. He's Cam Reddish's brother, and I really liked what he had. I don't know if he's necessarily an NBA guy, but it's just really exciting to be able to see the flashes of these mid-major players predicting some of the up-and-coming stars and stuff. It gives you much better insight to it. Really excited for that. So, um, Leaf, I know you've been able to to check it out as well. What what all has stood out to you in it? Oh yeah, no, I'm a I'm a big believer in just like going in depth into into random teams, like not necessarily a a list this team, but I like how each team gets its own spotlight, and there's not only hey this is the projected roster, these are who are supposed to play, but it tells you a lot about who is um, who is likely to be an X factor, what potential potholes there could be that that trip up a team, 
from where you can see that talent of a talent level of the team reaching and what could uh, make it hard for them to reach that goal. Um, that's kind of the way my mind works. I like to think of, okay, why won't this contender uh, make it to the final four? I did, I did a podcast on that separately uh, last year that I remember Richard uh, listened yep. to and told me, oh, I like some of these and you know, whether I was right or wrong, that's, that's some of them, but we, we had a nice discussion about that, but that's the way my mind works. So it's, it's nicely outlined. It's detailed. And it covers a lot of the questions I think you innately would ask if you're a college basketball fan like we are. Yeah, and Sean, if you want, before we dive fully into this episode, uh, if you want to plug how everybody can see it, how they can purchase it, and uh, any details you want to give about it, go ahead. Yeah, it's on uh, gumroad.com. You can just look up the Almanac Gumroad and you'll see the link. And just go to like the Field of 68 Twitter. You'll see everything you need to know about it there. But again, definitely check it out. It tells you everything you need to know about the college basketball season. You have a hot seat, uh, something called the jump seat, which is mid-major coaches that could go up to the high major level. Guys like Bob Ritchie from Furman, who's going to be in for a really good season. Uh, And then you have some player of the year stuff, some headlines to watch, top 25 mid-major players, top 25 mid-major teams, which I handled. And it was just a big contribution from a lot of guys who love college basketball. And uh, we really hope that everybody that purchases it enjoys it. Awesome. Yeah. If you want to check it out, definitely uh, go to all the resources that Sean mentioned. So getting into the episode a little bit more in terms of uh, predictions and stuff like that, because we're talking college basketball here. Uh, what are some narratives that you guys are really watching for in this college basketball season? Sean, I'll start with you because uh, in writing this, it could be anything with the Ohio Valley Conference, college basketball, like I mean, ACC, however you want to do it. But what are some big narratives and storylines you're watching for uh, in college basketball this year? I think the biggest narrative is pretty easy. It's can North Carolina repeat what they did late last season, or was it more of just a fluke and they got hot at the right time? Because that's what a lot of people are saying about UCLA. And they ended up having a pretty good season. Obviously, North Carolina knocks them out. But UCLA was still really good last year. Were they a top five team like many thought they would? No, but they were still a national title contender, I would say, and one of the best teams in the Pac-12. Arizona ended up being better than everybody expected. But can North Carolina carry that momentum into this season? Can they be a legitimate top five team or will they be more of a three, four, five seeded kind of team? I think that's all hinges on what Caleb Love's able to do. It's hard to be a all-American level player if you're shooting below 40% from the field. It's just not efficient enough. And we saw there's good and bad with Caleb Love. He pretty much won them the game against UCLA. He won them several games in the NCAA tournament. But does North Carolina probably win the title game if he doesn't go five for 24? Probably. I mean, that's just super inefficient. And that's what you're going to have to kind of live with the good and the bad with Caleb Love. That's what he does. He's going to let it fly, whether it's going in or not. And he just has that scores mentality. But if Caleb Love's shooting below 42% from the field and 34% from three, I think North Carolina is more of a 11 to 18 ranked team than a one to seven ranked team. I just think they need him to be a little better than he was last season. Yeah, he had uh, he had some historically bad numbers from the two point from two point scoring. Excuse me, anything within the three point line, it was just it feels like it was an automatic miss. So that's mm-hmm. going to be big to monitor. What about you, Leaf? I, I'll stay in the state of North Carolina, but go to a different shade of blue. I think the biggest storyline to me is is how John Shire replaces Coach Mike Shashevsky. And, uh, you know, he's been the face of college basketball for 40 years, and now he's not there. Obviously, Hubert Davis took over for, for Roy Williams last year and made it to the championship game. They, they matched off uh, between Carolina and Duke for the first time in the Final Four. Uh, all these amazing storylines. And I think the biggest thing is how does John Shire's impressive recruiting class – factor into 
uh, success and how will he be measured? Will he be held to the standard coach K was held to? Will there be a, Oh, it's okay. It's his first year. Or is it, or is it because they have the best recruiting class in the country and routinely do is, is he going to be held under scrutiny to that same level? And how will Duke perform with all these new freshmen, especially with Derek Whitehead sustaining an early foot injury. Uh, so that's where I'm curious. And I, I think there's a lot of teams that are, are returning talent that you don't typically see like Oscar Shibwe and Drew Timmy and Trace Jackson Davis. If I can sneak in a second one here is, is you don't typically see and Hunter Dickinson too. You don't see typically guys that are all American candidates come back to school and be the feature of their team and, uh, and have a chance to repeat as national player of the year for Shibwe and, and all conference players. So I'm curious to see how the NIL and, and that's the main reason for it impacts college basketball this year and beyond. Yeah, that's big. I, I, I like the Duke one. I feel like that's like the most obvious one. So I'm um, glad you took care of that one. I, my, my big one, it's also an obvious one, but I mean, it is still something to monitor, which is for me, how does Kansas kind of rebound and retool? Because a lot of their core pieces are gone. I mean, Oche Bocci being a lottery pick, Christian Brown being a first round pick. They also lost David McCormick and Remy Martin. Uh, for this is the most shocking thing, but Mitch Lightfoot is finally out of college eligibility, which it feels like has been years coming. Him and Perry Ellis are is probably Perry Ellis already, gone yet? It feels like they're both in a retirement home somewhere together at this point. But I'm really interested to see how they uh, re- get replaced. I mean, they they got Kevin McCuller on the transfer portal. They we talked to, earlier this week about MJ Rice. I'm a big fan of him. Grady Dick, Ernest Uned Jr., and Zuby Ojev. EGO4, uh, terrible at pronouncing some of these names, so I apologize. But, I mean, those are a few top 100 recruits, top 150 recruits. So they've got a good pipeline, but how do they bounce back? I mean, they're the champions. Will Kansas, you know, I mean, they're always in the mix for a Big 12 title. I, I can't remember what the exact streak is, but, I mean, they're in it almost every single year of the century. For Big 12, is this year it's kind of they're fully unseated as a top two team because that's pretty rare, or do they still hang around because Bill Self is Bill Self? Uh, so that's something to monitor for me. But uh, are there any other big storylines you guys are monitoring uh, that that really stand out to you that wasn't mentioned? I'll jump in on Kansas real fast and say as impressive as a freshman class is, I think what they really need is to see what happens with Joseph Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford and K.J. Adams, Zach Clements, all these guys that played some minutes and had some bright moments last season but never had a big enough role to really be remembered as a big impact on that championship team. But they're all guys that are talented. Clemens can stretch the floor down low. He could start at the five. K.J. Adams is a very versatile defender. Joseph Yesfu, we saw what he did at Drake a couple of years ago. And Bobby Pettiford in the Champions Classic before he got hurt, he was awesome in a very limited role. So I think those are all guys that Kansas needs to see what they can get from. And I could see Yesfu or Pettiford being a double-digit scorer kind of guy this year. Whichever one takes a bigger role, I think could wind up scoring 10, 11 points for Kansas and be kind of the unsung hero this season. Yeah, I, I like that. And I know Leith and I actually, we were, <laughs> I don't want to say arguing, we were definitely debating uh, about Jalen Wilson on there. I know he's somebody who's a candidate for player of the year in the big 12. What do you see for him this year? And then we'll talk about some final four teams after, but what do you think of Jalen Wilson? I think he's probably, I mean, if I hate to spoil it now, but I'll pick him as a conference player of the year. I think he's really good. I mean, he's, he's not the kind of shooter that I thought he would be. He's been a little inconsistent from outside, but we saw in the, in the, in the NCAA tournament, the, rebounding he can he can bring to the table and now he's going to play an even bigger role I mean he's the top returning scorer from that championship team and I think Bill Self's really going to let him let it loose a little more score the ball a little more 
He's been injured a little bit throughout his career, had the suspension to start last season. I feel like this is a year where Jalen Wilson has expectations that are high, and he's really going to roll with them, solidify himself as an NBA player, average 15, 16 points per game, seven, eight rebounds. That's the kind of season I could see from him. And if Kansas wins the conference, he's probably going to win conference player of the year. Dang, so I'm completely outnumbered. I'm smiling over here because I thought I was like, he's going to side with me and then just completely running. I'm a big Jalen Wilson guy. Yeah. Because for me, I think I look at it too much from the NBA lens, which is, I don't know if I buy his jump shot entirely, that low dip and all that. It kind of scares me. So that's always scared me a little bit, but glad to know I'm completely outnumbered by the two college basketball experts. So maybe, maybe I should change stance on that and uh, come around on Jalen Wilson. So we'll talk about uh, some of our final four teams, though. Maybe, just maybe. Um, you know, we see something like, uh, like Kansas back in there, but first let me tell you about bet online, betonline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, which playoffs are starting like right now, MMA, boxing and golf and NBA's back. So, I mean, obviously NBA and college basketball is just a couple of weeks away. Head to betonline.net or use your phone to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. So as I said, we're going to be predicting some of the final four we can kind of do this real quick. We can do this like two ways. Um, I think the more fun way, I know Leaf and I have always done it, where we just kind of count down. Who is your like absolute, we'll start with number one and, and we'll go Sean, Leaf, and then I'll go. Uh, although I think I might just want to listen to what you guys say because I don't have anything super concrete. But who is like your safest bet where you're like, all right, if I had to put a ton of money on them and like I'm forced to make this bet on who is absolutely making the final four and only one team, who are you putting that money on? It's still Gonzaga for me. I mean, I know that they lost in the Sweet 16 last year. They lost in the title game the year before. They're guaranteed to make the Sweet 16 virtually every year. And when you have that kind of consistency, I think it's safe to assume that they could be in the title contention every year. And I think they are the best team in college basketball. I've said that the last three years, and they were the best team in college basketball two years ago. They were one of the best teams in college basketball last season. And I think they're going to be the best team in college basketball this year. You have Drew Timmy back. He's going to be a force like usual. Then I, I just love the guards, too. You have Nolan Hickman, who I think could make a big jump. But replacing Andrew Nemhart is very difficult because of how consistent he was. But Nolan Hickman's good. You have Hunter Salas, who's at least going to be really good on the defensive end. Then you bring in a transfer like Malachi Smith, who was terrific at Chattanooga, really willed them to an NCAA tournament appearance. He was pretty much 20 points every single night. Razier Bolton, who was really underrated for Gonzaga last season, probably going to shoot over 40% from deep again this season. They don't have the strongest recruiting class coming in, but they're old, they're experienced. They have a guy that's been a multi-time All-American and Drew Timmy. They have some defense. They have a lot of depth, and Mark View is still a really good head coach. If they lose one of their non-conference games like Kentucky or something, I'm sure uh, the general consensus around Gonzaga is that they're not going to be able to win the, the championship again. But until I see it, and I forgot to mention Julian Strother, but obviously he's terrific too. But I think Gonzaga is the pick to win the national title for me until I see otherwise. I think they are the best team and most complete team in college basketball. That's fair. What about you, Leaf? I got Baylor. I, I think uh, 
here, here's my logic. And I know I smiled when you said they're the best team two years ago. And, and this is because Richard and I have had this, this discussion many, many times. So it's all knowing, but my logic is that whoever has the best guards wins and, uh, and Baylor's guards were so good a few years ago with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, Adam Flagler, Macy Oteague that I, I was, I never faltered uh, and, and, and had them winning the championship all year. And I tweeted it all around. So I felt very good about that this year. I think they follow the same recipe. Whereas last year they had James Akinjo, LJ they had Adam Flagler. They were really good on paper, but I was never a big James Akinjo fan. I think they got better in terms of their guards. They got older, and then they got an all an all pro level guy uh, in Keontae George, who is their guy. He's their go to score. I think last year they had a, a kind of a clarity of oh, who's going to score buckets when it's close. And James Akinjo said that's my job, but I don't think it was necessarily good for the team. I think Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown were not in- integrated into the offense the same way this year. I think their team is more complete and it fits in a better. Uh, uh, situation. I think if Jonathan Chamwa Chacho were healthy from the start of the year, I'd feel very, very confident in this. Um, the fact that Flo Thamba is there makes me reassure Jalen Bridges, Caleb Lohner, um, Langston Love, I haven't even mentioned. And I know Richard really likes him as an NBA prospect, and that, that's for good reason. He can shoot the ball. He's tall. He's off the bench. Um, and, and I think you have four guards that have NBA caliber ability. And, and you've got wings that are veterans. I'm really, really high on Baylor. I do think Gonzaga will make my list, but I, I feel strongly Baylor is the best team in the country, which I think is less than a, uh, less than a popular opinion at this point. Like I've read a lot of people's stuff and I've read a lot of, and listened to a lot of podcasts. I don't think many people have taken Baylor. So maybe I'm, I'm sipping the wrong Kool-Aid, but uh, that's, that's the way I feel so far. I think they're Damn, top both five for sure. like, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. No, I think they're top five for sure. The, if they had Jonathan Chamachachua, I might have them first, really close to Gonzaga, but we don't know when or if he's coming back this season. And for me, that makes their front court depth, at least with a true five, a little questionable if Flo Thama gets in foul trouble. Because then you're looking at like Zach Loveday, who's really not done much at the college basketball level, uh, unless you want to play a smaller lineup with Bridges or Loner at the five. That's really That's really an issue for me. So I'll have to see what happens there. Yeah, I like both of y'all's answers. Uh, Baylor and Gonzaga are probably the two very best. I'll go with who I think is probably third, just to kind of keep it a little bit different here. But I really like Houston. I know they lost Kyler Edwards, Fabian White, Taze Moore, uh, Josh Josh Carlton too, but really like the freshman class they have with Jairus Walker and Terrence Arsenault. And then also, in a way, Marcus Sasser is like a new addition to to some degree because of the injury. Um, So I really like just everything about this Houston team. I don't doubt Ralph Sampson and Houston. Like, I just, I think, look, when, when you are consistently making the elite, or excuse me, Kel, Kelvin Sampson, not Ralph Sampson. Uh, when you are consistently just appearing in the elite eight, sweet 16, your second weekend team every year, I think they got the experience. Almost their two best players or their two guards, at least are upperclassmen. I, I really buy into their talent. I think they're going to be a one seed. I they're my pick uh, to be, another one seed and like guarantee to make it. I think Gonzaga and Baylor are better picks, but they're like the next best for me. Who are some guys in that, or not not guys, who are some teams that are now in that, like, all right, I'm pretty confident, like two teams. So two and three in this, uh, that you're confident will make the final four, but not like, but you could see some pitfalls in them. For me, I'll go, I'll go Creighton. Obviously I think a lot of people have a lot of different thoughts on them and there's a lot that has to go right for them to be able to get to that level. I would say the number one thing is probably just staying healthy. Can Ryan Kalkbrenner stay healthy? Can Ryan Nemhard stay healthy? Uh, obviously losing Ryan Hawkins. There's a lot of Ryans on that Creighton team from last year, but losing <laughs> Ryan Hawkins is big. 
I just like a lot of what they have and what could be. And that's a lot of what the college basketball offseason and preseason is, projecting what could be. And Creighton is the biggest what could be as a national title team, and they could be outside the top 25 if things don't go well. But I think Arthur Kaluma, he could be a first-round pick. He's got that Big East player of the year type of potential, and he's probably their best player. Ryan Nemhard showed flashes of being really, really good last season. He's different than Andrew Nemhard, his older brother, but he's still really good. And Ryan Kalkbrenner, I mean, he was just terrific last season. I think he was really underrated nationally. I think he deserved a little more love than he got because Creighton, I mean, they, they really struggled to put the ball in the basket a lot of times last year, and they were really good defensively, and he was a big reason for that, really the main reason for that. And then just adding a guy like Baylor Shireman, who's capable of running the point guard if Nemhart struggles or gets in foul trouble or gets hurt like he did at South Dakota State, but he's just going to let it fly from outside, and that's exactly what this Creighton team needed. A veteran presence who's been there and done it before at an, at an NCAA tournament level, Average 20 a game at, at a South Dakota State, won Summit League Player of the Year, and now he's probably going to go average like 10 to 13 points per game, but he's going to shoot over 30, over 40% from deep for the Blue Jays this season. I think he is really an underrated addition for Creighton because of how good he can be in this role. Hey, you're preaching to the choir about Ryan Calcrenner too. Like, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of him. I say him probably once a week on this podcast. So, and I love that Creighton team as well. It's a really good pick. Uh, what about you, Leaf? I'm a big fan in, of Kentucky this year. I, I think Kentucky, I would put as my third best team. If I were to rank them right now, obviously no basketball has been played, and I, I'm projecting that Jonathan Chamochachua joins Baylor eventually. I'd go Baylor, Houston, Kentucky as, as one, two, three. Gonzaga probably four, although I, I could be convinced either way with Gonzaga and Kentucky. But we, since we've already spoken about Gonzaga, uh, my rationale in Kentucky is they're big, they're long, they're fast. We've said this about Kentucky for years, but this year they've added shooting. They have more veterans than they typically do. They re- return the national player of the year in Oscar Shibway, and they have players taking on different roles without as much pressure as typically Kentucky players have to take when they have returning good players. For instance, Severe Wheeler, I'm not the biggest fan of as a true point guard, but he's a returning SEC, basically all SEC performer who's passed the ball. Uh, I think he was the lead assist guy in the SEC last year. And like, that's my point of concern as their point guard is someone who's so established. Jacob Toppin's taking over for Keon Brooks. I think he was the better player last year. He's more mature. I think he's got a, a solid chance to be a first round pick if he's able to shoot the ball well with his elite athleticism. I think you bring in uh, Reeves to shoot the ball. You've got Frederick to shoot the ball. That's been a concern for Kentucky for a long time, spacing around top. And you have Damian Collins, who was a, a top 20 recruit. And now he he's like the sixth person I've spoken of in the third in the front court. Um, I've got, I've just got a lot of belief and I haven't even mentioned their freshmen. My point being is their depth and athleticism is imp- really impossible to match. That's often the case with Kentucky, but it's me- mixed with veteran presence and shooting, which it typically is not. This team reminds me a little bit of uh, kind of the North Carolina 2017 team that had a lot of bigs push the ball. They have an established point guard. Obviously I'm a, I'm a big Joel Berry fan rather than uh, Savia Wheeler shooting the ball, but the way they have wings that push the ball, they have bigs that and a plethora of them that play different roles and complement one another. I think they're going to be egalitarian in their attack. And I think defensively, they're going to be one of the best teams in the nation. So I'd, I'd, I think big blue is going to have a pretty strong say on making a, uh, making a deep run and, and kind of avenging an early exit to the Peacocks. I like it. I, uh, I'll wrap out my final four and I'll let you guys uh, do your last teams as well. So for me, I think it's going to be Houston, Baylor, Gonzaga. It's like such a chalk. Uh, but for the fourth team, I actually have a little bit different one. It's not like something super 
crazy out here, but I actually really like Oregon as a candidate. I, I really like, uh, I'm absolutely blanking Dana, uh, Dana Altman. Altman, right? Yeah. Dana Altman. Um, I don't know why I didn't trust myself on that, but I really like him as a coach. Will Richardson is obviously very experienced. And then also I, I think Khalil Ware is going to do really well at Oregon as a freshman, just kind of that anchor, just, I know that's a very general outline for them. I think they have a really easy path to success though. Um, they didn't lose a ton, a ton. They lost Jacob Young and Davion Harmon, but I think overall they're kind of replaceable in a way that they're not going to be hurting super hard from missing out on them. I think they're a dark horse final four team. Who are y'all's uh, rest of your final four? And then if you want to share uh, just a recap of the four you have, I'll let start with you, Sean. I don't know. I would say this is a little bit dark horse. I'll kind of go with your dark horse theme there, though. And I'll say San Diego State. I think they're just mm-hmm. as good as they were a couple of years ago. They don't have Malachi Flynn, but Matt Bradley was maybe the most important player to a team in college basketball last year. I tweeted out yesterday they scored in games where he scored uh, below single and below double digits. They scored like 62 points is their high and they lost three of the four or three of the seven games they played. Uh, it, it was just they weren't good when he wasn't scoring the basketball, but they were so good defensively that they were able to make up for it. But now they have a little bit of help around him. Darion Trammell coming in from Seattle. That's a guy who was a really high usage player in the whack last season, but I think he's going to be a little, little more efficient in a lesser role. Then you have that defense. still. you have Nathan Mensa, you have Keisha Johnson who can defend. You have a lot of size, Jaden Lede, who was at TCU, who a lot of San Diego state fans think he could be like an all conference first team kind of guy. Then you have a little bit of shooting concerns. I would say Micah Parrish from Oakland. I think he's the kind of guy that could settle those concerns a little bit. That's the one thing I'm not sure about with this team, how good their shooting is, is going to be because you have guys like Bradley and Trammell, or more of creators for themselves. And Tramel can create for others. Bradley really isn't that kind of guy. But you don't have a guy like Jordan Shackle from a couple of years ago who you could just run off a screen and light it up from outside. They don't really have that guy right now. And unless it's Parrish or one of the incoming freshmen, that's a little bit of something I want to see happen first. But San Diego State, I think, is one of the more veteran, more complete, and one of the more well-coached teams in college basketball. So I think they definitely deserve a mention in this kind of conversation. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you should bring up San Diego State. I wouldn't say they were in my final four. I kind of listed my my very top-heavy final four, but I was going to ask a question in the following second. I may still ask this, and I'll give a little teaser, is, is what's a team that it doesn't read as an Elite Eight final four team that you think could make there make it there? And that was going to be my top answer. Um, to, to add one in, I, I talked about Gonzaga when, when Sean brought it up. That would probably be my fourth team out of my rankings. Um, and, and I would say Carolina, based off experience, really has a strong chance uh, to make it there. Uh, so I think we've covered the bases there, but uh, I, I think we should uh, kind of name some individual players in the next segment that we think could really take home some hardware, some accolades, but also I'd love to toss that question out there of who could be an Elite Eight team that doesn't read off as an Elite Eight team. I'll say Miami. I mean, when you have guards like Nigel Pack and uh, Isaiah Wong, I think you're capable of doing it. Their depth is a big problem, but that starting five, I think, is really good. They have a lot of athleticism, Jordan Miller, Anthony Walker, Norchad O'Meara down low, and then you have the two really good guards. Outside of that, the roster is not very good, but, I mean, if they stay out of foul trouble and in the NCAA tournament, you can play five guys 40 minutes, and, I mean, hey, if they don't get tired, then it can work just fine. I think they have – one of the best starting fives in the country. Their bench among top 25 caliber teams might be the worst, but they have one of the best starting fives in the country. Dude, I love hearing that. I absolutely love hearing that. I was in Miami to see their training camp um, in in May. Not training camp, just like some training. Uh, And dude, I I absolutely love that team. We'll talk about 
um, some of our, you know, all American potential player of the year. Uh, and then we're going to rank the conferences coming up in just a moment. So welcome back to Locked On NBA Big Board. Uh, here with Sean Paul and also Leif Tuline, two of the smartest ba college basketball fans I know and basketball fans in general. Let's um, let's talk about some of the conferences, though. Sean, how would you rank for this upcoming season uh, the the Power Five conferences, the ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten, SEC, and uh, Pac twelve? Are we putting Big East in that conversation too, or leaving? You know, it I I think I would. Uh, yeah, I, would I, I think I would. Okay. So number one, I would say is still the big 12 until I see otherwise they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of teams that are going to be top five, six, seven seeds in the NCAA tournament. So I think they're pretty clearly the best in my mind. Then number two, I'll go ACC outside of the top, like six. I have some questions about it, but they're a lot better at the top than they were last season. So I'll go with them at number two. And then uh, number three, that's where it starts to get a little bit tough for me. I'll go, I'll go SEC there because you have Kentucky, you have, Tennessee, you have Auburn, you have Alabama, you have a lot of teams that should be pretty good. Maybe Texas A&M has a good season, so they could be in that kind of mix too. Then after that, I'll, I'll go Big East because you have Creighton who's up there. You have Villanova, who I still think will be really good. They bring in a great freshman class. You have UConn, you have uh, you know Butler who could be okay. You have Xavier who could be okay. So that that's a little bit of a, a, a conference I think is a little better than people might think it is. And then I'll go Pac-12 next, and I'll round it out with the Big Ten because the Big Ten, just the, I, I'm not excited about them this season. Obviously, in recent years, they've had some high-seeded teams, but outside of, like, Indiana, who I think is a borderline top 15 team, I don't think there's a lot there that's, that could compete for a national title. I think they'll have maybe one team pass the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. So I'll put them behind the Pac-12. I like I'll, it. We follow you go next. Uh, I have – some some different orders and i'm i would love to hash it out a bit more um so i'll i'll go with the sec to start i'm i'm high on kentucky i think arkansas is gonna be really good this year i'm very very high on florida who i don't think many people are very very high on i think auburn's gonna be good i think lsu is gonna be a huge question mark but i like what mcmahon does for previously of murray state and then you've got a lot of talent just in in, in the sec always and I think in Alabama will be good. They've got some freshmen that should crack top top 20 in the draft boards. Uh, so I'll go SEC, Big 12. I agree until proven otherwise is a bit of a bold take. I think the Big 12 is firmly in the top two. Number three, I'm going Big East. I'm really, really high on the Big East this year. I think Creighton and Nova will both be top 15 teams all season long. I think UConn's going to be good. I think Xavier, Butler, and probably probably Seton Hall will surprise some people uh, with with transfers and people aren't going to be that, that knowing about them I think there's they're going to get six or seven teams in at number four I'm going with the ACC I just think Duke Carolina Virginia Florida State's really and then Miami are, are there but you're, there's not much depth and um, that's five teams I'm not I'm not super high on the depth five out of 14 doesn't impress me number five I'll go big 10 because whether they're going to have top heavy teams, I agree with you, Sean. They're, I don't, I'm not excited about Indiana. Illinois is not great. Iowa shouldn't be that good. Michigan and Michigan State, I don't know. Not, they're all a bunch of okay, not great, but they're going to get six or seven teams into the, into the tournament. And then the Pac 12 is my last. I think you've got three good teams and you, you're kind of praying for a fourth to make the tournament at this point, in my opinion. So that's, that would be my ranking. And I, I just kind of favor making the tournament more rather than projecting who can make the championship this early. And, and so that's why I would favor the depth of the big 10 over the PAC 12. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say, I would say if the PAC 12 has three top 25 teams, most of the year with Arizona, UCLA and Oregon, and they all end up 
top five seeds and let's say you one of you USC Stanford Arizona State maybe an outside shot at Washington one of those gets in and then you compare it to the Big Ten where let's say they get six teams but they're all outside the top five seeds I would say getting in three of three teams in the top five seed lines is more impressive to me that's fair yeah, I uh, I personally am not going to rank the conferences. I just don't trust myself. Y'all know more than me. Uh, I was looking at it in my head of like draft conferences. All I know is for me, number one is ACC just because of how top heavy it is. I absolutely love the Duke guys and then Turquavion Smith over at uh, North Carolina State. I mean, I'm I'm enamored with those guys alone. I think that does that holds so much weight that if you're trying to watch uh, NBA prospects, I think it probably starts with ACC just because of how top heavy a lot of those teams are, they all have top heavy NBA talent. So um, for me, that's where I like, but obviously that is not the best college basketball conference. So let's do a quick little round table and then we'll wrap it up. But who do y'all see as um, getting the, who do you see as getting player of the year? I'll answer both of these and who would be your player of the year, your expectation. So it could be same answer. could be different. Sean, I'll start with you. For me, each, each of the power conferences. Oh, sorry. Just or sorry, like uh, oh, national. Just the John or um, I'm blanking on it, but just the overall yeah. national player of the year, the Naismith player of the year. I think that's a tough one. I mean, there's a lot of candidates. You have Sheboy, you have Timmy, you have Trace Jackson, Davis, you have Dickinson, you have some guards like Sasser, maybe Jaime Hawkins is like an outside kind of candidate. I'll go, I'll go with Drew Timmy because I think he's just bound to win one at some point. I don't know if Oscar Sheboy is going to win it again with the numbers he put up. He was really good, really impressive. But at the same time, I my stance last year was I rely on Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis more late in games. Like if those are kind of guys, those are guys you fear when they have the ball in their hands. You don't do that with Oscar Sheboy. And I think you do that with Drew Timmy. You fear when he has the ball in his hands. And I think he'll be able to average close to 20 a game this year, 10, 11 rebounds. And if Gonzaga is the number one team in the country, like I think they will be, then I think that should be good enough to win him the national player of the year. Yeah, I've got Drew Timmy as well. I think I think he's bound to win one. He's the most productive and most consistently productive player in the country. Uh, like you said, when when the going gets tough, Gonzaga is going to lean on someone like they did against Memphis and Drew Timmy against an NBA center and Jalen Duran was unbelievable. I think you can expect more of that. And uh, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. I think Drew Timmy's going to win in a landslide. Yeah, I, I think he's the clear-cut winner, especially when you look at – I mean, Chet took a lot of his touches away as the opposite big. And going from him to Efton Reed is going to help Drew Timmy a lot in terms of statistical production. So I, I think it's him. And also I'm in Dallas, so I feel obligated to say this uh, because he's from here. But I really do like Drew Timmy. I saw him in the pre-draft uh, process. I mean – I think people are going to be surprised with how much improvement he makes, uh, not only as a playmaker. I think that's always been something people know, but he doesn't like he's not an alpha yet on that regard. I think he's going to take that jump, but also the the three point shooting. I saw a lot of that in the camps I saw, and I think it's legit. I think he's going to be able to stretch the floor. I firmly believe, you know, Luca Garza was the 50 something pick in 2020 um, or 2021, whatever it was. And uh, I think, I think you're kind of looking at potentially a similar route, but I think Drew Timmy has a better chance of sticking in the NBA. I really like Drew Timmy's game. He's defensive liability, if, offensively gifted. But if Timmy starts making threes, I mean, I don't know how you're supposed to stop him. I mean, you're, you're not stopping him. There's no way. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's going to be the best offensive player. So he's my pick. I think he's going to be the, the pick, which all three of us said the exact same thing, which makes me think he might be almost a consensus pick, barring, you know, something else happening. But uh, this was a really fun episode. I know we, 
college basketball is still like a month away, which it feels like it has been dragging its feet going so slow. But with the NBA here, I think it's going to speed that up so much faster. So uh, if you don't follow Sean already, let me let me flash his Twitter handle uh, right below if you're watching on YouTube, which, by the way, greatly appreciate you watching on YouTube or listening wherever you get your podcast from. Remember, we are free five days a week. But Sean's handle is just over here at the bottom left. In the meantime, uh, Leaf and I will be back next week. Thank you so much for joining, Sean, and uh, have a wonderful rest of y'all's day.